Right, amen. You may be seated this morning. Good to see you. Thank you for coming out as we continue our outside services here in August. And so if you have a Bible with you, we're going to go right into our Bible study here in just a minute. I know it's hot outside. I want to be efficient with the announcements and get right into our study. But again, thank you for being here. I know the Lord desires to bless us as we study God's word. So Matthew chapter 8, we've gone as far as verse 28. That's when we're going to, uh, that's where we're going to begin reading. Again, Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. Just real quick, I do want to remind you that we are going to be out here in the backyard. We do have seating in the sanctuary, in the coffee shop, if you ever want to use that. Uh, for the next three weeks, that's a plan, 8.30, 10.30. We want to welcome everyone that's here in the sanctuary and also in the coffee shop. And you who are listening online, welcome uh, to this morning's service. And we, at Labor Day weekend, first weekend in September, we'll bring everything back inside. And we'll begin services inside with, um, you know, we'll let you know in detail what it in, uh, entails. And then also, we're going to have uh, classrooms that are going to be starting back up with the kids and with the nursery. So we'll get you filled in on that. We're working very hard, praying, and, and uh, getting teachers uh, lined up for that. If you would like to help with the kids or in nursery, if the Lord puts that on your heart, just even once a month, please let Angie know out front or Celeste. Angie's our children's ministry director, and then Celeste is our nursery director. If you don't know who they are, they'll be close to that table, probably there as you exit here today, and they'll be happy to talk to you about all of that, what that entails. But we want to get the kids back in the classrooms, begin to minister to them again Labor Day weekend. So I appreciate all your prayers uh, during these last five months as we move forward uh, in ministry. And, uh, you know, we, we've never been shut down. We've always been open and ministering to people in different ways over the radio. Uh, you know, it's just been interesting. And we're going to continue to do our very best in ministering to you, to your families, and to this community. Also, there is youth this weekend, so Friday night is the high schoolers, 6 to 8, middle schoolers on Saturday, 6 to 8. When we get into September, we'll also be talking about some small groups as well, uh, men's study, ladies' study, and also young adults will be starting up, so we'll get the information to you. We're looking forward to that, and, and I think it is very important for us to continue to meet together, have opportunities to do that. Wednesday, we're going to... Uh, be doing online for right now continue that we're going through the book of jeremiah incredible study don't want to miss that at seven o'clock our online services on wednesday night so with that said we're in matthew chapter 8 i want to begin reading at verse 28 as we do read when he that is jesus had come to the other side to the country the gadarenes there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? And so, Father, we ask that you would just bless the teaching of your word this morning. As we look at these two individuals, there is something here for us because we know that Satan is tormenting people today. He, he is uh, working overtime in our nation, in our culture. And so, Lord, Jesus is the one we're going to see that frees us. And, and, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be touched with this story uh, as we read it. It is real. 
And, and Lord, this really happened. So there's something here for us to take away this morning. So just help us have soft hearts and our ears open to you spiritually as we study your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now keep in mind that in this chapter, verse 18, that Jesus told his disciples, let's get into a boat. He's at Capernaum on the north shores of the Sea of Galilee. And he said, let's go to the other side of the sea. And last week, as we saw there in that boat, they encountered a storm. It was a very violent storm. The storm came down on them. It was a storm that the disciples had uh, never seen a storm this bad before. Those who were seasoned uh, were afraid. They were exceedingly afraid uh, as they thought they were going to perish. And Jesus was in the boat. He was asleep. And the disciples came and woke him up and said, Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus would rebuke the winds and the waves. He, he would say, Be calm, be muzzled. And immediately the gospel narratives tell us that the sea was calm. It was calm as glass. And then the disciples, they were exceedingly afraid of that as well. They're saying, Who is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. And, and now they get to the other side, just as Jesus said that they were to go. And his word is true. He is faithful to see us through, even when we encounter storms in our lives. And that was the important lesson last week, that all of us, that we will have tribulation. That's a promise, and that's a truth from Scripture. Not that you might have tribulation. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world, Jesus says. And in the storms that we encounter, as the winds of adversity blow against us, and, and the waves of difficulty and problems, and it, it's overwhelming, that know that the Lord, that He is with us, and, and we learn and we're reminded that His word is true, His promises for us. And so, very important lesson last time, but now as we pick up our text, they do get to the other side. And they get to an area that is called Gadara, or the Gadarenes. And it's that area that today is called the Golan Heights. And perhaps you've heard of, of the Golan Heights in the news a lot <coughs> concerning Israel. And it's that range of mountains that's on the east side of the Sea of Galilee that used to be before 1967 uh, Syria. But now it belongs to Israel and it's mountains that go up a high range and on that mountain range there's tombs as you look we go there when we do our trips to Israel there's tombs there's caves uh, there and there's a cliff on that side that leads to the Sea of Galilee where we're gonna see this story took place and, and we'll see that clearly as we go through this it's the only place on that side where there's a cliff that leads to the Sea of Galilee and as they get there to that area of the Gadarenes, Jesus steps out of the boat, verse 28 tells us, and two men met him and the disciples. And these aren't two, you know, uh, ordinary guys. These are two men that are demonized. They begin to cry out with a loud voice, what have we to do with you, Jesus, son of God? And, and are you here to torment us before the time? Now, Mark's gospel tells us, that the people of that area, of the of Gadara, uh, tried to bind these men with chains and with shackles, and they broke them to pieces. These guys are very violent. Uh, they could not be tamed, the scriptures tell us. They have uncontrollable fits of rage. And Luke says in his account of this story that they were driven out into the wilderness by the demons. 
That's interesting because remember that we saw not long ago that Jesus, he was driven into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted by Satan, to overcome Satan, overcome the devil. These men are driven out into the wilderness by the devil, not to overcome, but to be in bondage, to be enslaved, to be possessed. The devil wants to destroy because he is a destroyer. That is his name. But Jesus wants to give you and me victory and to develop us, not to destroy us, but to build us up, to give us freedom. And listen, maybe you're in a wilderness place right now, but remember this, that you have the Spirit of God in you. And we can say in confidence that, Lord, I'm in this wilderness. It's hot and it's barren. It's dry and it's tough. But, Lord, I'm going to look to you for victory. And your desire for greater usefulness and spiritual maturity. And as we look at these two men, we know that Mark and Dr. Luke and their account of this story focuses eventually on one of those two men. But Matthew does tell us that there were two of them. They cry out. They had demons, plural. Luke says, for a long time. Uh, now, one demon is bad enough. Uh, for a short time is bad enough. But demons, plural, for a long time, that's bad news. And we don't know exactly how long. Was it months that they were demon-possessed out there in the wilderness in these tombs in these caves maybe it was years uh, they didn't wear clothes we learned from the gospel accounts they lived in the tombs they lived more like a wild animal than a human being and Jesus and his disciples think about this as we continue through this chapter here they come they they pull up to the shore and I just picture the disciples they're dripping wet they're still bailing out water from the boat that was filling up from the storm that they, they just went through and the disciples are thinking, wow, we got out of this storm. And they're still probably very frazzled and shaken up from their experience. And, and even as they're at awe, as Matthew says, they marveled when calmness came, when Jesus rebuked the winds and the sea. They're just overwhelmed at this time. And they come to this place of Gadara. And they're probably very happy just to get out of that fishing boat. And all of a sudden, as they're getting out, these two demoniacs come running down the hill. And I picture them full of dirt and hair all tangled up and in a rage and out of control. And they're crying out with a loud voice as the disciples get out. They hear this, ah, you know, these guys running down. What have we to do with you, Jesus, son of God? Are you here to torment us? And I'm sure that spooked the disciples. They probably all file, single file, right behind Jesus, trying to pull him back in the boat and kind of like, let's get out of here. Let's get away from this place. Trying to get Jesus to, to get back in the boat. But as Mark tells us, that they cried out day and night. And I think about that. You remember those of you who were with us in our trip to Israel last fall, we watched that sunset there on the Sea of Galilee on the east side. It was very beautiful. It was one of the highlights of, of the trip and the Sea of Galilee was very calm, but you know how it is when you're on a lake that sound 
bounces off the water. You can hear, you know, boats. You can hear people in the boat from a long distance away. And just think about this. As they cried out day and night with loud voices there in those tombs, I can just kind of picture as you're there at Gadara and you're looking directly to the west and there's Tiberias and then you look a little bit to the north and there's Capernaum where these guys were from and most of the fishermen they would fish on the north side of the Sea of Galilee that's where the better fishing was and they fished at night and can you imagine them out there in those boats at night it's calm and out in the distance they're hearing these loud screams and their voices and and they're probably wondering, what is that all about? What's going on over there? Well, they found out as they came to this place, Gadara. Listen, the gospel writers are not inspired by exaggeration, but by the Spirit of God. These two are full of demons. They're naked, they're cut up, they're screaming, they're crying in a loud voice, they're violent, and I've mentioned this before in our previous studies, but Matthew writes here that they were exceedingly fierce. And what is very sobering is that in our study of 2 Timothy chapter 3, earlier in the year, when Paul writes, he says, in the last days there will be perilous times. It's going to be very fierce times. You see, Paul borrows that word from Matthew, same Greek word. It's only two times that word is used in the New Testament. Here, when Matthew's describing these demoniacs, they're exceedingly fierce. Paul comes along and he says, in the last days, that it's going to be fierce times. It's going to be perilous times. It's going to be violent times. Men are going to be lovers of self, brutals brutal. Um, they're going to be traitors. They're going to be haughty. Uh, they're going to be fierce. They're going to be violent. And I believe we're seeing that even today, that we are in the last days. It will be fierce. And Satan is real. And so are these two guys. And it's real what happened to them. They are in this area of Gadara. It is a mixed area of Jews and Gentiles. There is the worship of idolatry and Greek and Roman gods, and there is a mixture of religious beliefs. The Jews were to be separated, but not in this area. And as we read this, remember, they are someone's son, these two individuals, probably grew up in this area. And somehow, at some time, that they would open themselves up in a deep way to idols and false gods and sacrifices and practices that are wrong, that are demonic. And Satan gets a foothold into their lives and they open themselves up to the demonic realm. You see, I don't fully understand it, but the Bible does tell us that it is real. And I know that Satan wants to influence people's lives and get a foothold into their lives today and he is doing that. And just as these guys open themselves up to the demonic realm, I believe that it very much happens today. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, not me, Pastor. I mean, what are you talking about? I don't play with Ouija boards and go to seances and sacrifice chickens in my backyard. The last days are perilous times. And we see people all around us 
and in our culture and in our nation and in the world, they're being demonized. What they set their eyes on. Adopting cultural practices and ideas that are very much against the ways of the truth and the goodness of God. No one can tame people today. Just like these guys that we read, no one could tame them. No doctor, no psychologist, no counselor, no politician, no pastor. During this pandemic, suicides have dramatically increased. Alcoholism, drug use, pornography. There's been an increase in spousal abuse. People are being tormented. We see more and more people that are full of rage in the streets of our cities, in bondage. They're depressed, they're gripped with fear, and they cry out. They cry themselves to sleep at night. And it is real. We see such turmoil in people's lives that don't have a relationship with Jesus. They are people that we care for and love very much. Maybe perhaps family members, neighbors, friends, those at the workplace. And they're there in the workplace, they're in our neighborhoods, they're in our schools. And Satan is called a deceiver. He's a murderer. He will present himself as an angel of light, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Beware, be careful, because he presents himself as an angel of light. And his ministers, his, his, the ones who work for Satan, the demonic realm, will present themselves as, as workers of righteousness. He will try to get us to pursue the passing pleasures of sin and worldliness, to embrace a false joy and a false hope and a false fulfillment and satisfaction in life, in all of us, and especially you young people. We have to be so careful. And one of the things that Satan tries to do is he tries to isolate you. Like these guys are isolated. No family, no friends, driven out to where they are alone. How many people that happens to? Christian, the enemy, wants to isolate you. He wants to isolate us. Away from the family of God from your friends in Christ. And this morning, Matthew brings us to these two individuals that now stand before the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there they are. And they are showing us something that we can take away today that we might be loose from whatever the enemy is trying to do to us and trying to enslave us in and deceive us by. We know that spiritual warfare is very real. But I don't want to overstate what the enemy can do to us. You see, I do not believe that a Christian can be demon-possessed. The scripture does not tell us that at all. And think about this. A container is either lit or it's dark. And we as believers have the Spirit of God in us. If we have the Spirit of God that's in our heart, we're not going to have a demon that is there. 
You see, Paul writes in Ephesians that one of the spiritual blessings that we have is that we as believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that word seal is a very important word. It's a very strong word. In other words, when you go to Revelation chapter 20, that after the second coming of Jesus Christ, he comes back in the second coming, literally, physically, and he will establish his kingdom. It tells us as you move into chapter 20, that an angel is going to come and bound Satan up in a chain and throw him into the bottomless pit. And that pit is going to be sealed so that he does not deceive the nations anymore. That seal cannot be broken. That seal he cannot get out of. And you see, we have the Holy Spirit of God that is in us sealed for the day, kept for the day of redemption. That's good news. But he is a deceiver. And he tries to war against us, throws the fiery darts at us. And Satan is having a field day in our world and in our nation today. So these guys say, what have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of God? Isn't it interesting that the demons are not confused who, these, who Jesus is? The disciples were. Who is this one that the winds and the sea obey him? The religious leaders were, but not these demons. Now when Mark and Luke, as I've already mentioned, pick up this story, the focus for those two writers goes to one of these individuals. But Jesus asked one of the demoniacs, what is your name? And the answer was legion. Now those who study demonology or are into those kinds of things, they say, well, we can ask demons their names. And they, they use this story to teach that. I don't hold to that. I don't believe that Jesus was asking the demon what his name was. He's asking the individual. He's asking with compassion, what is thy name? Because Jesus cared for these men. He cared for these two individuals that are being tormented. And it is sad when we see people that were created in the image of God, made for his good pleasure, that are being desecrated by Satan and broken down and in bondage and full of hopelessness that is in their hearts. Jesus loved these guys here. And in Mark and Luke, it tells us he asked the one individual, what is your name? You were given a name. And then the demons push to the front and take over this guy's personality and speak through him. Legion, which means many. And we know that Mark and Luke tell us that they begged Jesus not to send them into the abyss, into the bottomless pit. As we continue reading verse 30, now a good way off from them, there were a herd of swine feeding. So the demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished into the water over this cliff. And Mark tells us there were 2,000 swine. And as we finish the story, verse 33, then those who kept them fled. And they went away into the city and told everything, uh, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. 
And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from the region. Interesting. The demons would rather go into the pigs than into the abyss. The pigs would rather drown themselves in the Sea of Galilee than be demon-possessed. They said, no way are we going to be devil ham. And so Luke and Mark tells us of the one individual that had been free, that that man all of a sudden, when the demons are cast out, they're sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. How long that had been for that man, these two guys that are freed, to come to that place of being peaceful and calm. How many of you have that testimony of a complete transformation when Jesus set you free? And people are amazed. The, the people come up, come out of that area that, that would tend to them or try to, to do something with them. And, and they come out and they're afraid. It's interesting. And there's a whole part of this story that isn't told to us here. And when he told these demons to go, I just imagine that these two individuals just collapse right in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like to the disciples, get them up. Let's clean them up. Let's get them some clothes. The guys are going, what happened? And the word is, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And I imagine that one's looking at Jesus, calling him Lord. He's clothed and calm and in his right mind. It's a very interesting picture here. The people of that area of the city who couldn't tame these two individuals, the two guys, verse 33, they knew by what means he who had been demon-possessed, they who had been demon-possessed was healed. No doubt a miracle had taken place no longer terrorizing this area. These two guys being set free. And they come and they're afraid and they say to Jesus, leave. Get out of here. Depart from this area. They were more concerned about the pigs than they were about the person. They were more concerned about the industry than about the individual. They were more concerned about money than they were about the men. Now there's a debate with commentators and Bible teachers and scholars uh, that was there even supposed to be swine in this area? This is Jewish territory. We don't know who owned the swine, uh, but we know that swine pigs are forbidden for the Jews to have. We don't know if the owner of these swine or this, this area, these, these people, belong to Jews or not. But I do know this, that people today will ask Jesus not to be in their life because they are involved in something forbidden. And you've all heard the saying, a lot of you, that sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. It's just bad news. Hey, leave Jesus. Go, depart. I don't want you here. I'm going to go out tonight and party with my friends and do some drinking or you know, take some drugs. I've just moved in with my boyfriend, my girlfriend. Don't want to deal with you, Lord. 
I want you to go. Leave me alone. I'm not working hard for my boss. I'm cutting corners. I'm, I'm doing shady business. You're bad for business, Lord. Leave. And we need to remember that any business that Jesus is bad for is bad business. And anything that you are involved in and that Jesus is bad for is bad for you. And unfortunately, it goes on all the time. They begged him to leave, sad. But this man, one of them I know that we read in Luke's account, begged that he might be with Jesus. Can I go with you? And Jesus said, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. Mark, it reads that he told them, you go to your family and friends. And I think, friends? What friends does he have? Doesn't say good friends. But you go to them. Tell them what has happened to you. You who were demon-possessed under the rule of, of Satan and the world. And I imagine they go back into the town and people see them and they're scared. They're thinking, are those those two demon-possessed guys? And, and all of a sudden they, they realize that something has happened. And I imagine, who were these two individuals? These guys are real. Did they go home to their spouse? Were they married? And all of a sudden they go home and they say to their wives, that honey, the Son of God has set me free. He's changed me. Or they go to their home, mom and dads, and they knock on the door, and all of a sudden they open the door and, and they hear their voice once again. How many of you have that testimony that you were set free? And wow, family and friends, they saw that you're a new person, a new man or new woman, because when you come to Christ, all things become new. That you're different. And you told them it was Jesus. Jesus set me free. He is Lord over all. All authority has been given to him. It wasn't religion that set him free. Not a church, not a pastor, not psychology, not counseling. No man, not the disciples, no priest. Jesus Christ set them free. And understand it is relationship with him and sitting at his feet. Whether you are cutting yourself, young person, or you're in bondage to sin, or you're isolated, feeling hopeless, Jesus is supreme to all that. He is Lord, and he came and died for you, and he loves you, and he will set you free. And if that's not true, then we might as well all go home. And if you're involved in worldliness or sin or compromise or carnality, that is what ruins all of this. And there needs to be a time where we say, I'm not going to go there. And I'm not going to be involved in that. And there's not going to be that compromise. Because if there is compromise, you will be confused. And it will send a confusing message to family and to friends. Your place, my place, is at his feet. And our message, as we've been reconciled to God, is we have the ministry of reconciliation. 
Our message is one of emancipation. Who the Son has set free is freed indeed, the Bible says. And he has forgiven us and saved us. And know that the deception that comes from Satan is going to keep coming. That comes to this world is going to get worse. It's going to get worse than ever before. But we have the truth, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And He is the one that can truly do that in your life. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much. This story reminds us that you have the power over everything. That you have the power to set us free. That are in bondage to sin, carnality, to the world. Satan is called the God, little g, of this world. The prince of the power of the air. But Lord, we who have been set free, what a testimony that we can have to others that it is Jesus Christ to know him personally, to walk with him, to know truth is what sets us free and to sit at his feet. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone that's here that's being tormented by the world and hopelessness and isolation and confusion the enemy, he's the author of all that. He's a deceiver, he's a liar, and he wants to set you free from all of that. If you're here, and you feel like you're in bondage, you're just in captivity to that, it overwhelms you, Lord, I pray right now that you would minister to whoever's struggling with that, because you care for them, you love them, and the message is, come and sit at his feet. Maybe you're here, you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. You see, he went to a cross and died for your sins, and he rose again, and he is your salvation. He's the one that can give you a new heart. He will as you come to him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bring you into right relationship with the Father. Have forgiveness of sin, the hope of heaven, real hope. Will you come to him? He is your salvation. There's none other. And you can call out to him, Jesus, I come and I ask that you set me free. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me on that cross and you rose again and you're alive. And I pray that you would come and sit upon the throne of my heart as my personal Lord and Savior to sit at your feet and to know you, to walk with you all the days of my life. I thank you for making me a new person, bringing me into a new kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, and a new beginning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here, maybe you're struggling, and the enemy has been beating you up and confusing you and just throwing those fiery darts at you continually. Lord, I pray that you would help anyone who's really struggling and all of us to remember that we've been set free that we could go from this place and that we would be ones that truly would just know you and walk with you I pray that we would be a testimony to our friends and family that Jesus has set me free and now I belong to him I pray you bless everyone here now as we go our way and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, if you made a decision for the Lord, 
If you need prayer for anything, please come up. I want to pray with you and bless you any way that I can. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.